Hello, in the beginning there was a big bang which led me to the creation of brief history of time. Now from beyond the grave. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-
be as stoic as possible, much like the the character <laughs> we may be discussing later today. It's interesting that you say that you had a particularly bad experience while you were in Canada. It was in Canada where I suffered my worst experience of sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> and very much like yourself, it was it was completely self-inflicted. I went on a rugby tour when I was uh, 16 to the district of Ontario. We were there for best part of about three weeks and we, we played a series of games against schools and the Ontario Select squad as well. And after each game, we would have a after-game party. The first game we played, unfortunately, we, we lost and we went to a barbecue. Now, I didn't realise that Canadian beer was like moonshine. It <laughs> doubled the percentage of our beer. And I was only 16 and I, I went in with one of my fellow uh, teammates with a, a case of uh, Coors Light. I was so hungover the next again day that I forgot to put sunscreen on. And we went to a theme park. And if you refused to go on any ride, then it was a, it was a fine. So I'm hungover and going on all these rides the heat was excruciating it was so hot that i got sunburn through my t-shirt oh and because i was hungover i didn't realize because i was just doing everything in my power not to continually spew which didn't really work because i just continually spewed when i got back to the person's house that i was staying at i took off my shirt and I looked like Mr. Krabs from Spongebob Squarepants. <laughs> I was red raw. Now, when you're that age as well, you kind of don't want to admit that things hurt, especially if you're in that kind of rugby team environment. And we were playing a game the next again day, but my shoulders, I mean, oh. they, were all, they were blistering. Oh, no. I had to play full contact, what was it, 80-minute game, and I was in so much pain. And, of course, afterwards, we were in the, the dressing room. I took my strip off, and most of the blisters had actually popped and exploded or new oh, ones no. reformed. The other players were like, um, Pix, does that, does that hurt? And, of course, I'm like, no, it doesn't hurt at all. I'm fine. Meanwhile, I, I'm curled up in a ball inside my mind, crying. <laughs> yeah. One of the other guys wouldn't let it go. That He's like, no, no, no that's, that, that's like the worst sunburn I've ever seen. Oh. That's got to hurt. And uh, the most idiotic thing I think I've ever said came out of my mouth, which was, no, it doesn't hurt. I can prove it. No. Oh, no. At which point, most of the players started to slap my back, oh. slap my shoulders. One of them took a wet towel and whipped it across my back. And I stood there as best I could and said, no, I'm fine. doesn't hurt. And by that point, I was not just uh, crying on the inside. I, I, <laughs> I was a complete wreck on the inside, trying my hardest just to stand there. 
I've never experienced pain like it, but it was totally self-inflicted. I was a complete and utter muppet to have gotten myself in that situation. And it has taught me always use sunscreen. Right, actually, you know, P20 is the thing that I use because it's like it's like a second skin yeah yeah it's like the it's like the, it's like the greatest sunscreen in the world for a redhead but <laughs> you know yeah i'd like to say I, w- I was young and i was foolish and no i was just a total muppet with no regard who for some reason had something to prove <sighs> yeah horrible horrible memories but i learned from it holy crud he's a sitting duck out there he knows what he's doing. I am the law. Drop your weapon. These blocks are under arrest. And it's a fire. It's just threatening. Hey, you want to be afraid of somebody? Be afraid of me. Run down there and surrender. Sort of throw him off guard. Bad idea. Hey, Jen! Come and get us! I knew they'd do that. Judge Fred, take cover! They're firing 20-millimeter caseless fletcher round at 300 meters. The effective lethal range is 200 meters. You're safe. What are you doing down there, Judge Hershey? Waiting for backup. It's here. Let's move it up. Keep it simple. Single file, standard relay, our point. You're left. Grenade. Grenade. Nice shot, sir. You two meet me on the 40th. Municipal Code 213, willful destruction of property, that's two years. Code 310, illegal possession of assault weapons, five years. 
Code 457. Resisting arrest. 20 years! Thank you, Hershey. And code 3613. The first degree murder of a street judge. Let me guess. Life. Death. Court's adjourned. We are doing a first in our podcast. We've got two movies side by side that we're going to be judging today and comparing. We have the Stallone vehicle, Judge Dredd from 1995, and we have the Carl Urban version of Dredd in 2012. Two very different versions of a British comic book icon. If you're not familiar with Judge Dredd, I can give you some context and some background details before we talk about who's behind the movie and what the films are about. In order to do that, we need to go back to the 1970s, which for some is quite a kind of bleak period for British comics in particular, because the comics that are getting produced, there's no exciting storylines and they're very much seem to be almost a period of post-war storylines or the ridiculous going on, the absolute ridiculous. I mean, nothing that anybody can kind of get behind. And when you're dealing with a setting of the 70s, uh, in, in Britain itself, you've got power cuts, you've got strikes, you've got a clash of cultures, you've got the birth of punk. And, and Dread really does come out of that kind of birth of punk to go with this youthful unrest that is clearly evident in the in the UK. You have a new comic that comes out on the back of the success of Star Wars. So we're 19 dealing with 1977 and kind of a, a, a rebirth of science fiction. There, there's not really a science fiction comic as such. And Pat Mills came up with the idea of creating 2000 AD and he teamed up with John Wagner and created this um, kind of ultra-violent weekly comic book film. In their words, it kind of ate both story and artist. It was something that would put them to the test, but they needed to kind of give something back to the, the youth that were out there that were that were bored with comics. And along with the initial artist, Carlos Escara, Dread was was born. John Wagner would, would say that violence was always something that was really fun to write. And Wagner based a, a lot of Judge Dredd on an initial character that, that he created, who was in turn based on Clint Eastwood's kind of Dirty Harry. So you've got these kind of like one-liners, you've got ultraviolence, and out of this comes kind of like the, the ultimate lawman that is Judge Dredd, who is police, judge, executioner, all rolled into one. I mean, if you actually 
look closely at Iskara's initial picture of Dread, the, the helmet is based on a medieval executioner and you've got the symbol of a, an eagle that's used by the judges. If you look at the eagle itself, I mean, the judges themselves are, are fascists. It's, it's based on a kind of fascist regime and the US society used that, the Nazis used that. They, they were taking a kind of a risk with a character who is not necessarily a, a hero. He, he's both hero and, and villain. If you've got access to that kind of comic and you are 10, 11, 12 years old, you're getting access to something that if it was a video, it'd be like an 18 plus certificate. And it's, it's so much fun and it's exciting. You know, I, I said, said a minute ago that John Wagner said that it's fun to, to kind of write violence, even though Dredd has got a really strong moral code. He is a fascist, he is violent, he is a mass murderer, and yet people are, 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 are drawn to this guy that walks around with a permanent grimace and upholds the law, or in his words says, I am the law. What's your take on, on, on Dredd? as a character i've never actually read uh 2000 ad should i mean there'll be plenty of trade paperbacks and uh graphic novels and stuff that i could probably go back to but so basically my my exposure to the character is purely from the two films that we're actually reviewing i i can from what you've told me that marries up quite a lot with the characters so it's, it seems like both films have been relatively true to the actual character i mean by the, you know at the time of us recording this it's it's kind of well i don't know happy accident probably isn't the right word but definitely almost appropriate with things like police brutality and stuff with what's going on in america and all the other black lives matter protests and stuff it seems that in the context of both the comic book and the films that the reason judges have been given given these rights or you know it's now the law that judges can judge you on the spot is literally just to try and process the crime quicker and obviously things are a lot harder because I'm sure was it Dread had the sort of homeless guy and just be just for him being there he was going to get five five years in the the cube I think was it they called which is like the prison the ISO cube so the there's there's lots of different variations for yeah. and, and 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 different different prison types so in the in the 2012 movie a homeless man is threatened with five years in the in the ISO cube there's also an off-world prison, uh, which is uh, Titan, which Dread, when he is wrongly convicted of, of murder, then he's dispatched to Titan, which is a, it's like a penal colony. So in the in the '95 Judge Dread ah. movie, it's a penal colony that Dread is is sent to and ends ends up crashing on the cursed Earth. But yeah, the if you break the law in any way, shape, or form. I mean, in, in Mega City 1, it's a police state. It's controlled by the judges. Mega City 1 has got a population of 400 million. Across the different Mega Cities in New America, we've got an overall population of about 800 million people. You've got half the population in Mega City 1. So that means that most of the crime is going nice. to take place there. And yes, they need to do things swiftly. 
in order to try and deter it because there's so much of it which is why the power lies with the the judges you're right in saying and linking that you know police brutality has always been a part of society especially in the 70s and the 80s and right now what is happening unfortunately in america it's uh it shows you where the power of the police can unfortunately get taken too far it does reflect that kind of fascist idea that all power lies with them i mean if you if you look at the uniform of the judges, the helmets based on a medieval executioner, they wear on their uniform the, the golden eagle, which is a common fascist symbol. It's on the, uh, the American arms. It, is, it was used by the Nazis. The idea of power is kind of satirised in Judge Dredd. You know, the, the, the writers are very much aware of what's going on in society when they're writing and they're wanting to comment on it they also want to have this complete badass character that people are going to enjoy reading but they're not going to shy away from the fact that this guy is 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 not a good guy he lives and breathes the law America is an irradiated wasteland. Within it lies a city. Outside the boundary walls, a desert. A cursed earth. Inside the walls, the cursed city. Stretching from Boston to Washington, D.C. An unbroken, concrete landscape. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world and the mega structures of the new one. Mega blocks, 
Mega highways. Mega city one. Convulsing. Choking. Breaking under its own weight. Citizens in fear of the street. The gun. The gang. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Juries. Executioners. Judges. He does make mistakes. He does get things wrong. And vagrancy, simply being homeless and being in one place, that carries a, a five-year minimum sentence. Dread actually offers the homeless mm. man, he says, don't be here when we get back. And because that homeless man didn't move, he would have been arrested if the if the blast doors hadn't come down and, and crushed the life out of him. Yeah. But Dread doesn't necessarily care about that life. It might sound harsh, but to him, that's something else, something less that he has to kind of now deal with. Or there's no paperwork to kind of get filled out. The problem's been been rectified because if the guy hadn't died, he would have ended up in prison anyway. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, just sort of very briefly going back to what you said earlier about how Dread wasn't a one-dimensional character in the comics. Like not slating him, but it was kind of surprising that I found that in the '95 Stallone Judge Dread, there was a little bit more maybe a little bit more character development whereas with dread with the carl urban one it was just kind of straightforward action guns blazing not not that it was completely mindless but there was definitely probably more development with the 95 one rather than actual dread i, I would say anyway yeah um the, the, you no, know i, I think, think carl right. urban's one was very quite one-dimensional i would say i know i i i definitely think that that you are you're right in saying that the 2012 film stripped dread back to i think his kind of his bare minimum and what people would recognize in the comics as opposed to the 95 where stallone i mean stallone had the script rewritten so many times because not only was he chasing a, a lower film rating but he was wanting to he, he was wanting a franchise out of this and he was wanting a character that people could understand which is difficult when you've got a Stallone cast in it and it's hard to understand him the best of times because he, he does sound like a silverback gorilla that's had a stroke <laughs> No, I know what you mean. And to be honest, now that you've said that, that kind of makes a bit more sense because, again, the sort of comparison between the two films, there was kind of like a, an orchestra doing the sort of music. It was maybe, there's maybe a little bit less swearing 
there was violence, but even for the 90s, I think it was kind of stripped back a little bit in comparison definitely to Dread from 2012 where people are getting thrown over balconies and falling like one kilometre and seeing people explode yes. and stuff like that, you know. So I can now that you've mentioned that, it makes a little bit more sense that Stolen was trying to obviously appeal to a wider audience, but maybe picked the wrong character in order to try and do that because it seems like the comics were always meant to be, to use a clockwork orange term, you know, a bit of the ultraviolence. That's the thing. You're you're channeling Alex Delarge there from Clockwork Orange, but he 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 was he was created in the seventies as well. <laughs> And that is that, and he he's that kind oh, yeah, of voice right of the youth as well. And I, I I used to have a Clockwork Orange poster in my in my dorm at university, and that's that's one of that word is on the poster. The fact that Alex Delarge listens to Beethoven and dabbles in ultraviolence. I mean, Judge Dredd is all about ultraviolence, and I think that Pat Mills, especially coming as the kind of founder of two thousand AD, he. He wanted us not to trust our heroes because that was a reflection of society. So therefore, if you want to explore real issues and real themes, you need to explore good and evil. And in a way, it, it has to go beyond, not to be unfair, but some of the simplicity that was coming out at the time, you know, there there was one character in a in another comic book who's who's got a psychic ability with a dog, and that sounds fair enough for uh, for a comic, but they're not really doing anything, you know. It's they 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 went on really kind of mundane adventures. I wish I could could mm. remember his name. The exploration of good and evil. If you've got a character who's both good and evil, then you can you can really have fun with that and also draw your audience in because they don't know what to expect they don't know should i be rooting for this person or are they as bad as the people they are condemning i mean that's that's always been the argument with the with the judges bike activate crowd control What judge? Release the hostage, unharmed, and I guarantee you a sense of life in an ISO cube without parole. Life without parole? That's a deal you offered? Only if you comply. Your crimes include multiple homicide and the attempted murder of a judge. If you do not comply, the sentence is death. You know, you aren't a very good negotiator, Judge. You know why? You got no fucking leverage. No. Yeah. Now here's the deal. You let me walk or I blow the fucking brains out. Okay. Negotiations over. Hey, what are you doing? You hear what I said? I'll kill the bitch. Yeah, I heard you hot shot. What? I said, hot shot. I can just talk about the the synopsis just for 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 both movies because I it's uh, outside the context there we uh you know you and me can get carried away and just <laughs> end up talking for ages we're already going into deep analysis so uh, yeah, yeah. for 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 those for those listening if you haven't seen either of the <laughs> movies which 
we always say please before you listen to this podcast it always makes sense to to get hold of the films uh, to watch them judge dread is actually available if you have a, a subscri- subscription to to sky movies judge, judge dread is is available on there uh, dread unfortunately is not available on any streaming platforms unless you kind of want to rent it uh, so it's not on Netflix, it's not on Prime, but give both films a go because they're both completely different, and it's 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 weird that they're so different when they're they're dealing with that same character. So in the ninety five film, we've got by the twenty eighties, much of the Earth is is barren. It's known as the Cursed Earth. The majority of humans survive in overbloated megacities. Megacity one twenty one thirty nine. It's a dystopian future. Judge Joseph Dredd is the most famous judge, police officer, judge, jury, executioner, all in one. And he is convicted of a crime he did not commit. And he must face off against his murderous counterpart who takes the form of his half-brother, Judge Rico Dredd. Both Dredd and Rico are clones of the, the father of justice, Eustace Fargo. And Fargo is actually in the 95 film played by Max von Sydow, who most people will recognise from The Exorcist or more recently Minority Report. And he's in the opening of Star Wars The Force Awakens as well. The storyline in the 95 film about the wrongful conviction. And again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. We do mention spoilers for both movies. We will be talking about them in great detail, which is the main reason that we want you to to watch them before you listen. But the idea of Dredd being wrongly convicted for executing a journalist is loosely based on a storyline from Judge Caligula. And Dredd was wrongfully accused of murdering the the Megatimes news team. In that storyline, it was a robotic version of Dread that was created by the mad judge Caligula, who essentially wanted to become the the chief judge. He was power hungry. I mean, Judge Caligula, based on the, the Roman emperor Caligula, who famously pointed, I think it was his horse, as his head advisor of studies. Judge Caligula himself is mad. He, he appoints his fish, his goldfish, as his his head advisor, Judge Fish. And it's it's an interesting storyline. But at the same time, the version in the comics was a lot more interesting than, than what they ended up doing with the film, where they manipulated the storyline. Judge Caligula is not actually involved in any way, shape or form. And it is... Uh, Judge Griffin, played by uh, Jürgen Prock now from Das Boot, who is kind of like the the mad judge who wants to create his own clone army of judges. And the only way he can do that is by removing the chief judge and the entire team by setting up the, the one lawman who's in his way, Judge Dredd, by using his cloned half-brother, Judge Rico, to execute the journalist, which means that Judge Dredd, thanks to his DNA on the lawgiver gun, condemns him, but it's not obviously his DNA, it's Judge Rico's DNA. And what was the result of the computer check? 
of the DNA coding on those bullets. The DNA is a perfect match for Judge Joseph Dredd. So The evidence has been falsified! It's impossible! I never broke the law! I am the law! We have no case! You gotta believe me! You have to believe me! Say it! Your Honor, the prosecution rests. That's what you're dealing with in Judge Dredd in 95. And do you want to talk us through the synopsis for Dredd 2012? Judge Dredd is a law enforcer with the power of judge, jury and executioner in Mega City 1, a vast dystopic metropolis in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Dredd and his apprentice partner, Judge Anderson, are forced to bring order to a 200-storey high-rise block of flats called Peach Trees and deal with its resident drug lord, Mama, who deals the reality-altering drug, Slow-Mo. Inhabitants of Peach Trees, this is Judge Dredd. Let him talk. In case some people have forgotten, this block operates under the same rules as the rest of the city. Mama is not the law. I am the law. Mama is a common criminal. Guilty of murder. Guilty of the manufacture and distribution of the narcotic known as And as of now, under sentence of death. Any who obstruct me in carrying out my duty will be treated as an accessory to her crimes. You have been warned. And as for you, Mama, judgment time. So already kind of out the gate, like you mentioned earlier, the two films are actually quite different from one another. They have, they're based in the same sort of world with the same kind of protagonist. Dread from 2012 is a little bit more kind of drug-based survival and probably a little bit more heavy on the action, whereas the 95 Judge Dredd was a bit more wrongfully accused story of redemption kind of thing and making sure, you know, like that classic 90s action, gotta, make, gotta have that final almost fist fight on a rooftop in the thunderstorm kind of thing, you know, that, that sort of trope. Whereas the 2012 one is gotta survive as long as possible. And I think, um, I mean, I've not, I've not, I've only seen clips from the film, but I think this was probably very similar in a lot of ways to the, the raid. It, it's, it's same. It's, it is judge dread. It is mega city one, but the stories are both quite different although i think dread does do quite a few nods to the 95 film quite subtly it's not yes. just like a sort of nudge nudge wink wink look straight down the camera yeah. you know they, they are a little bit more subtle which i guess is you know I, I pref well to be honest i prefer subtlety even when it comes to a hyper violent sci-fi film <laughs> prefer subtleties I take it this is your first time in non-sim combat yes sir i'm wondering when you'd remember you left your helmet behind Sir, a helmet can interfere with my psychic abilities. I think a bullet might interfere with them more. You ready? Yes, sir. You don't look ready. Just adrenaline, sir. 
the 2012 film is definitely it's more contained and it's working off of a, a much smaller budget 95 film has got a budget of 90 million the 2012 films got a budget of 45 million they couldn't be more different in the locations that they use the 95 film is shot in Britain to kind of give it that authenticity at um, Pinewood for this is a British comic even though it's set in New America um, mm. whereas the 2012 films shot in South Africa mainly because it's cheaper for, for kind of tax reasons and also for for getting your money back in terms of profit even though the film didn't make a profit which is a shame because despite it having a 45 million budget its box office only came in at 45 point sorry 41.5 so it ended up making a loss but we'll we'll come back to to that the 95 film 90 million budget uh, 90 million budget box office 113 but there is possibly an argument that even though it's made a profit i'm not fully convinced that there's much of a profit certainly there wasn't a profit for it to become a franchise but also your marketing budget is not included in the budget of your movie and i think that the 95 film potentially made more of a loss than what they declare if you stick in the the marketing or on top of that uh, but I think one of your comments, I think you got it right. The 2012, much smaller, much more contained. The 95 one is just typical of 90s action. So it is bad guy fight at the end of the film. Good versus bad. Good conquering bad. Blada, blada, blada. Anybody could write it in their sleep. Remain still. Identify yourself. Miller. Warden. Voice sample recognized. Thank you, Warden. System disarmed. Why are you here? You come for another chat? Just a short one, I'm afraid. Duty calls. Ah, oh, duty. Feeding these parasites here at the public's expense? Yeah. You especially. I don't cost anything. I'm a ghost. And we're both prisoners here. You're behind your desk. And I'm behind this. What a clever reward from Fargo. I mean, considering the services. When you started killing innocent people, Rico, you went beyond service. The innocent exist only until they inevitably become perpetrators. Like you. Guilt. And innocence is a matter of timing. You're our mysterious benefactor has sent you a package. Deactivate shield. Auto guns only. Auto guns reactivated, Warden Miller. What is that? That's an ancient puzzle. That contains the meaning of life. (laughs) 
So tell me, Rico, what is the meaning of life? It ends. Voice not recognized. Guns are trained. Remain still. <laughs> If you look at the writers, the 95 film was written by Stephen E. De Souza, Die Hard, 48 Hours, Commando. All those movies end the same <laughs> the same way. William Wisher, Terminator, Terminator 2, 13th Warrior. Again, we're just going to lead up to some sort of battle between good versus evil. Whereas Dread is written by Alex Garland, a lot more creative. Beach. 20 Days Later, Sunshine, Ex Machina, Annihilation, which I didn't personally like, and the TV series Devs, which I've saved up all the episodes for, but I haven't watched as of yet. Genre-wise, they're both the same. They're action, they're science fiction, they're comic book adaptations. One film studio, DNA Films, independent, low-budget, founded by uh, Andrew McDonald, who co-wrote uh, the Trainspotting adaptation, 95 film, Hollywood Pictures, and maybe the reason that they were chasing the lower rating, Buena Vista, which is owned by Disney. Buena Vista is the more... Nah. Ad- they, they produced the more adult films that obviously Disney couldn't do. But at the same time, if you're owned by Disney, then they are going to want to chase a lower rating in order to, to get out there to a, to a wider audience. The plots couldn't be more different. And, I mean, I prefer the plot of the 2012 film, even though it was probably damaged, unfortunately, just due to timing like what you said with the the raid, uh, the raid came out same year. It's directed by Gareth Evans. It is pretty much very similar in terms of plot. Supercop goes into a block of flats, a building, and has to make his way from floor to floor in order to get to the boss at the end of the level and and defeat him. But it was that that came out first, and then you can't escape the similarities between the two the raid although it is does fall into a lot of pitfalls that that dread falls into which is kind of like to do with repetition i tried to watch the raid with my wife and she got bored halfway through and she just went it's just the same thing over and over it's just repeat it's just it's just fight and then it just gets (laughs) more ultra violent and she was like um i think i've seen all the fights now so um you know if that that's what it is for the rest of the film. Dread does have that similar feel. Just start on the lower deck, go up a flight, go up a flight, and work your way through the various criminals from the Mama clan that are trying to, to stop Dread. When I was looking at the synopsis for both films, Alex Garland created the villain Mama as an uh, original villain. Mama's not a character from the from the comic books and the 95 version does use storylines taken from the comic books if they are if they are 
slightly adapted, such as the wrongful accusal of dread of murder, the use of his brother, Judge Rico. Your brothers and your sisters be born two hours. One big, endless supply of perfection. You know we have a choice? We can stand here right now and create a whole race of goddamn brainwashed morons and call them judges. We can create some free-thinking people. We'll call them human. Never control yourself. What makes you think you can control these things? You're in control. You be head of the council. You choose. And you choose quickly, too. I should have put you down myself. Personally. You know, I never understood that. Why did you judge me? Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Whoa. I betrayed this. Your council's experiment, which failed in you. I was your brother, your blood, your friend. Who betrayed who? When are you going to stop being a goddamn slave and grow up? That's your birthright. That's your family. I'm your family. I'm the only family you ever had! Now choose! The best thing you can do is kill me. Why? Because it's your only chance. Brother. But both movies, the original scripts, had a much better storyline because they went with Judge Death and Judge Death for any fans of Judge Dredd as a comic, the Judge Dredd the Judge Death storylines are some of the best to come out of 2000 AD. Part of me wishes that they hadn't abandoned those storylines and that they'd, especially with the new one, I think that it would have been more exciting to go with a staple villain you know it's like it's like spider-man fight facing off against doc ock judge mm. death is an iconic character i think it was a mistake in the garland script to give us something more generic that didn't necessarily push the boundaries that's actually quite interesting that yeah I'm, I'm not really sure like even in sort of comics i mean nothing off the top of my head like that sort of certain scenario comes along that it was technically another character's storyline but it was that that was used for another film but i suppose i don't know i guess maybe because judge dread was used in the 90s as the name when dread in 2012 came about it maybe would have made more sense because i think the because the, the that sort of era i say era you know we're only talking about eight eight to ten years ago and up up till now reboots are rife they're absolutely everywhere everyone's doing a new version of something that's already come out so i think because this is one of those examples of it being a reboot if they had called it something like judge death instead of dread then it would have maybe have been seen as a, a sequel or a prequel or something different so they've just done almost the exact same thing and 
you know, taken stories or inspiration from Judge Death, but have given it to the character of uh, Judge Dredd. But, you know, just kind of looking at bits and pieces of this, it has it has actually spurred me on a little bit more to go out my way to actually try and find some Judge Dredd comics and give them a go, because I, I don't know what it is. It might be age or the amount of comics I've read, but, you know, Marvel and DC, you know, the sort of superhero stuff I'm reading, you know, it's there's a lot more swings and misses for me personally so I'm maybe needing something a bit different I know I gave you a shot of Scott Snyder's uh, Witches which is which is witches <laughs> which is a, a sort of horror comic which I'm glad you really enjoyed but mm. I, I still hold that in very high I thought regard. it was fantastic so I don't know if I'm maybe sort of I, I mean I know it's not a, it's not as much of a horror comic but just anything that's not superheroes because the sort of superhero stuff gets re, rebranded and rebooted rebooted every almost every year now and it's the same stuff there's always something more powerful there's always something higher more difficult to beat but good always vanquishes evil but not quite enough because they still need to sell more comics so something survived and that comes back up in a few months time so i don't know i mean that's that might just be the nature of comics full stop but at least if i read something different like judge dread or something else out of 2000 ad it just might uh, it might just be that a little bit fresher so is is your personal favorite do you kind of prefer dread from 2012 then i i definitely prefer dread as a film it still has its flaws and it and it, and yeah, it had yeah. its problems because dread is directed by Pete Travis Pete Travis prior to this he directed uh, vantage point with Matthew Fox and Dennis Quaid. He directed Endgame. Uh, after this, he directed City of Tiny Light. So Pete Travis, prior to this, was very much kind of TV director, kind of B-movie director. I think when he got the, the job, he talked a good game, but he didn't get on with Alex Garland. And I know that they had to come to a kind of mutual arrangement in terms of what was in the script and what was eventually being actually shot to kind of come up with the story that eventually kind of took place. But the majority of the editing in the film was done by Alex Garland. Alex Garland has not got a credit as co-director, but certainly Carl Urban has said since the, the, the film wrapped in later interviews that Alex Garland did most of the the final cuts. He did most of the the reshoots and it was mainly from Alex Garland and, and less from, from Pete Travis. Where you've oh. got the Judge Dredd film in 95, you've got a director in Danny Cannon basically got the job from his movie The Young Americans, which stars Harvey Keitel. He went on not really to have a notable film career, because he made I Still Know What He Did Last Summer and Goal, uh, but he did, he's more widely regarded now as a kind of creator slash producer of some of the most watched TV shows, CSI, CSI Miami, CSI New York. He co-created and produces Gotham and his most recent credit in terms of the DC universe is he's done the kind of prequel series to not 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 necessarily prequel series uh, the spin-off series which is Pennyworth which shows you 
um, Alfred Pennyworth and really where he kind of learned his kind of skills from. Do you have two experienced directors? Not really. Do you have problems in both films? Yes, you do. One of them, you've got a problem because you're a star. The other one, you've got a problem because of a clash between writer and director. Trying to probably a clash of kind of artistic integrity over wanting to do yeah. right by Dredd. Because you've got Judge Dredd hanging over your head. So I prefer Dredd as a movie, but not by much. There's 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 not right, that much yeah. in it. I mean, I'm not going to say Dread is a phenomenal movie. I'm not going to say it's a one-of-a-kind action film, because it's not. No. You there. Identify yourself. Chan, Sector 9. Dread, Sector 13. Responding to a 1024. Good to see you, Dread. Likewise. You long? Negative. Three-man squad closing on my vector right now. So relax. Cavalry's here. Two. Two? Two of us called in the 1024. Wondering why you didn't ask about the other one. Let's move it! <laughs> Choke on it, dread. Choke on that. Could you briefly tell us what slow mo is in dread? And then I'm going to offer you something that you probably have realized already, but I'll, I'll be obvious about it. Right, okay, so, well, in Dread, as we mentioned before, the slow-mo is essentially a highly sought-after and incredibly potent drug that a lot of the people in peach trees are using. And later on in the film, you discover that the Mama Clan are using peach trees, the megastructure building that the film takes place in, as the the manufacturing point that's where they make it and that's their base of operations and that's where they all dish it out to the different districts and different cities and uh, stuff like that the slow-mo stuff does exactly what it says on the tin and when you inhale it it's almost like a, a like a, an asthma inhaler like a sort of small portable one that fits in your pocket when you inhale slow-mo everything slows down and your brain perceives it to be moving it i think about i think they say like one percent of actual time which makes it just that a little bit more brutal when the they cross like basically yep. some people cross the mama clan at one point in dread and they throw them over the side of the balcony and you know down the the sort of main shaft as it were in the in the megastructure I and mean, they fall like 50 odd stories or whatever it is but they give them slow-mo beforehand so from what i understand when you take slow-mo, it causes your brain to process everything at an insanely fast rate. You take everything in, which is why everything else seems to be 
slow because of how quickly you can take everything in but it also means that because yeah. you perceive everything being super duper slow that when you are free falling 50 stories that is actually quite a slow and brutal death because you must be aware of even though i mean i'm, I'm assuming even though you're like as high as balls basically and you're falling ironically what you know you're still taking all this in and you know where you're going to end up and it ain't going to be nice so that's what makes it that a little bit more brutal but that's the that seems to be slow-mo as i take it slow-mo in order to capture it on screen you are shooting with um phantom digital cameras that basically take three thousand frames a minute slow-mo it's a jug of drug of distraction in a world of chaos and when you slow something down that much on screen, what you end up with is similar to what we talked about in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. You end up with what looks like a comic book panel. So it, mm. it, when you when slow-mo is used, it looks like, if, if it's a shootout, we see the slowed down bullet enter and exit a cheek and the teeth flying we see the bodies rippling as a bullet hits them and it looks like art it looks beautiful it's like it's like beautiful violence mm. and to a point you can say yeah this is good this this i feel like i'm reading a comic book i can actually if dread hits someone in a comic on a physical page and we see the panel we see the spit coming out we see the 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 bloodlines we see the ultraviolence but is it anything new that we haven't seen before is it just extreme slow motion as cool as the slow-mo effects are you can't help but have at the back of your head this is just a longer version of bullet time yeah. from the matrix yeah with no. the 360 degree cameras that they used yeah and you can sort you can sort of see that because that was quite a pioneering thing that the Wachowski brothers decided to do with the matrix films quite pioneering and definitely um stood out as a, a sort of new slow motion sort of kind of technique Cause slow motion wasn't it wasn't an unknown thing before then but the what they done with bullet time having the multiple cameras in a sort of 360 spiral around the the green screen and the character and you know sort of putting that all together that's a little bit different to this mostly i guess because of uh, the differences in technology it's also it almost seems like slow-mo is technically slower and i think it harkens back to what you were saying about it almost like you're looking at maybe like a a one or a two page splash of something incredibly colorful and detailed and yeah, it, it, the way the 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 phrase that you kind of coined that beautiful violence is possibly the best way of describing it because throughout the rest of the film, you know, it, it's not that it, the film's black and white by any means. It's not monochrome at all, but it is quite dark and dingy because that's the setting. But when when someone um, inhales or takes slow mo, everything is incredibly bright and sparkly, and even the blood, yes. um, you know, you know the horrible, you know, like you said, bodies getting ripped apart and bullets you know going through people's heads and stuff like that because it is happening at such a slow rate and because of this burst of color and stuff i think it, it's not that it, it takes away from the violence um it's just i think it calms it down a little bit 
in terms of you know i hope i haven't and i hope to god i never actually see someone being shot and killed like i pray that that's something i never see but i I would imagine seeing that in person and just seeing the suddenness of it just like a boom that's it but in films it's always amped up to 10 so it's always kind of or 11 if you're spinal tap and you know everything is completely exaggerated you know someone's been able to take eight eight bullets to the body and they're still fighting they're still going or someone gets shot and they do three backflips over a, a building so it's always exaggerated so i think that always makes it look a bit more ridiculous but still kind of violent but because of the ridiculousness it doesn't seem as violent so when they've done the slow-mo you know it's incredibly violent but it's also inc- incredibly vibrant and it looks really cool and yes. honestly i remember watching the slow-mo scenes um I, I was still working in the cinema at the time when this came out and a, fr- a guy i worked with and i went to see it after a shift and um it just blew it just blew our minds um because mm-hmm. of the detail on a massive screen the sound it was just it was just amazing it was just super cool but by no means was it a a new thing it wasn't pioneering it has been done before but it will still the effect i don't think was taken away from it yeah it's it's one of these things that when you see and when you when you see the contrast of the slow-mo scenes with the rest of the film where everything is very much it's almost like black and white and then you've got the the vibrance of the colors it's like the the rest of the film is it's trying to it's trying to visually look like the the dread comic book which was just black and white ink um black and white ink no it's just just black (laughs) (laughs) um i i I wish i wish we could have white ink it'd be great (laughs) that contrast between what's happening in kind of like when in 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 normal time where everything is functioning at proper speed but it's very very grim very black and white like the comic book when you see slow-mo and you've got those vibrant colors everything's lit up but it's like watching a nature documentary by david attenborough where you see all the the little things and dread is at its most violent in the in the in the slow-mo scenes and they are very cool and it's nice to see perhaps that kind of technique pioneered but how many times do we need to see it before it becomes repetitive yeah no that's a good point and i can't remember if it was that film in particular or if it was another film that maybe just overused slow-mo so much but the person i watched it with said you know just made the kind of dry funny comment that i wonder how much time we would have saved if the slow motion scenes weren't actually in it would have shaved (laughs) off about an hour now i don't personally think that the slow-mo scenes in dread were actually used excessively they were used a bit but there seems off the top of my head there seems to have been a reason for each one one to establish what it does Mm -hmm. one to establish the horrible way of execution that the mama clan you know dishes out you know things like that so there was always a, a reason for it i guess yeah i i I don't know i mean I, i think it I think it stands out to me like again it's not anything new but i think it stood out to me because of the the contrast of not only speed but of the color and detail and i thought it looked really quite good because i think i might have seen a clip of that in the trailer or something but like i said when i saw it on the big screen at the cinema 
it really kind of it just sort of really kind of took me you know into it like it really really kind of took me into it and i really i really quite enjoyed it but what did you think of mama's death in slow-mo i'm i'm kind of i'm on the fence with it now first of all again we've already said spoilers so you've been warned for like the third or fourth time now i thought it was quite a good idea that she put the like so the basically the building's rigged with explosives and you know she has the detonator you know wired up to her heart heart stops the bombs go off kind of thing now i've I've come across stuff like that in comics and video games before and i think it's always quite interesting what i thought was that maybe her execution could have been maybe a bit different it made sense that she gets given slow-mo and chucks over the edge she was a nasty she was a bad villain you know and this sort of thing but it had already been done before but then personally i couldn't think up another more mm-hmm. fitting way for her to actually die but the the detail of it that i really liked was yeah. the the distance thing how it was almost like a game of chess like you know i've thought of everything you know i've um i'm the the sort of queen pin almost of the this building and i run it and I've, I've thought of everything and you know that wasn't quite checkmate checkmate was well have you thought about what happens yeah. if i threw you throw you over the edge do you think that signal's going to reach through like a kilometer of concrete i don't let's find out and he does it so I, I quite liked that element of the execution but it, you know the the actual act of throwing her over the edge after giving her slow-mo you know it had already been done but i can't really offer an alternative either maybe if they hadn't given slow-mo to those guys at the start of the film and just like i don't know skinned them and then chucked them over the edge maybe maybe it would have given it a little bit more at the end potentially what's your thoughts it is quite kind of poetic justice and it also reveals the arrogance of both characters because mama is so arrogant in her own world she's She's a former prostitute who overcame her pimps and is now the most powerful person in Peach Tea, Peach Tree uh, Towers. She has got all her fingers and all the pies, but that arrogance that she is so confident that everything will be destroyed if her heart rate doesn't match up with the trigger device that she has put onto her her wrist, it'll trigger, and of course you level that off against Dredd's arrogance that she hasn't thought of everything. She hasn't figured into the fact that this is a remote detonation device and it won't actually trigger because she's going to be too far down. She's on the top level of Peachtree Towers. I'm going to throw her off and there's no way that that signal is going to bounce all the way back up here through all those levels of concrete. So it's like the cat and mouse chess final move moment. And of course, the arrogance of uh, Dread wins out. The death itself, yeah, it, it's it's poetic justice. Would it, it have been better done another way? Who, who knows if it had been written another way? Because Mama skinned the people that betrayed her she wanted to send a message to the towers you don't mess with the mama clan so therefore she skins them she feeds them slow-mo and she has them thrown over the top of the balcony so for her then to have a a a similar kind of death makes sense well now that you mention it actually the 
that is one of the compar the comparisons that, that actually match up between the two films. So I suppose it's not a comparison; it's a similarity. But it, you know, a little bit different. Like Mama doesn't really put mu up much of a fight where Rico almost gets the best of uh, Stallone and you know uh, of, of uh, Judge Dredd in the '95 one. But I I've just been thinking actually. I think far too much about everything all the time. So th this is probably where this comes from. For people that you know really, really deserve something bad to happen to them, sometimes there can be fates worse than death. And I don't know, for, for some people, I think actual imprisonment would actually be worse than death because if it's death, then yeah, they, they're no longer there to cause a problem. Mama could no longer deal drugs. She could no longer have control over peach trees. But... If she's dead, then it's over, and she doesn't really. Her punishment is death, but she doesn't really suffer from it because it's over. Whereas, yeah. if she was imprisoned and put in like an ISO cube or sent away to was it Titan? You said like the sort of penal colony. Yeah. You know, if there was like a really brutal sex sector within those prisons, and she had to serve out basically the rest of her life, you know, that could potentially be worse. So. I suppose that I suppose although that would potentially go against like the rest of what we had already seen in the film, and the film is you know in dread at least it is sort of death aplenty, and you know people are chucked over the balcony you know almost like every sort of ten fifteen minutes in the film to be honest if they're not shot and they jump over then they fall over, so that that seems to be quite a common thread. But yeah, I I, I see exactly what you mean. You would have thought they would maybe have done something different with the death of uh, Mama and uh, I'm, I'm just going to straight up apologise for thinking very deeply on the, the subject of death and punishment and stuff like that but um, I don't know it's just to me sometimes there is fates worse than, worse than death. Mama gets her kind of poetic justice dose of slow-mo and is tossed over the edge of the balcony by Judge Dredd kind of her arrogance facing off against his arrogance. Now I think my biggest problem with the ending leads back to the 95 movie because if you're doing this reboot, if you're wanting to do this kind of new thing, I I look back to the 95 film, which we've already said, staple 90s action formula, very, very for formulaic in its storytelling. How does it end? It ends with... a one-on-one -on -one fight between Rico and Dredd, brother versus brother, on top of the old Statue of Liberty, and Rico ends up getting thrown over, over the edge. Now, Joseph Dredd, I hereby judge you to the charge of betraying your flesh. Guilty. The charge of being human! When we could have been gods! Guilty. The sentence is death. Don't miss. Lethal rounds exhausted. No! Take it off Court's adjourned. Wouldn't you want a different ending than just, right, we want to do something from different from the 95 version, but actually, no, we're just going to throw our villain off the edge of the this this building to their demise. That's how the 95 film 
ended. If if you're going to if you're wanting to do something different, don't repeat the formula that you had in the ninety five movie. The crime warrants execution. So Ma Mama is always going to end up dead. She's she has committed the ultimate crime that warrants execution and because you've got dread who lives by the law there there can only be one one fate for her and it's it it's quite it does lead to lots of questions because i don't feel satisfied by the ending i don't feel satisfied by the death because of the comparisons yes it possibly would be more fitting to slowly rot in an isocube or on the penal colonies for Mama, but that option is not going to be available if they're wanting to do, if they're wanting to remain loyal to the comic book world of of Dread. But I agree with you as well, and that you know, as a as a fan of Judge Dread, I want her death in this case to be more fitting than I'm just going to toss you over the balcony because with her right hand man who used to be a pimp he's thrown over the balcony the people that crossed her were thrown over the balcony several people are thrown over the balcony and therefore that kind of repetitive nature for me is is boring by that by that point and at least with the the 95 one they had that kind of oh is dread gonna is he gonna be defeated by rico obviously he's not gonna be defeated by rico but it's that the, there was there was there was a little bit more to it i'm not saying the 95 one got it right and the 2012 one got it wrong they both got it wrong to have this boring i'm just gonna toss you over the side of the balcony that's you done dusted it's it, it is to me it's just lazy writing and Alex Garland is worth more than that and I mean it might be one of the reasons that he beats himself up and wishes that he had done more but yeah by by that point in the movie I leave feeling dissatisfied I don't feel that Mama has fully got her comeuppance I have used the term yes she got poetic justice yes she you know dread slowed her her perception down using slow-mo and played arrogance off against arrogance but in terms of it being a reboot in terms of it trying to do new things i think that they got the ending completely wrong i i, I can't i can't offer what i would have done differently perhaps other listeners there might be able to i, I don't have the answer for that and people might think that that's a bit of a cop-out you know you're one you're you're willing to criticize the endings but you're, you're you're not willing to say what you would do quite frankly I, I i don't know what i would do and i i don't know what pressure people are under from executives and producers and the people behind the money as to how things are going to end the end left me feeling a little bit cold because i just felt it was it was a little bit lazy and both films in that in that sense were were lazy with their ending i mean to go back to the to the 95 film it's it's a staple of its time it's a product of its time it's it's overly cartoonish it's affected by the power that its main star had uh, so much so that director danny cannon actually vowed that he would never work with 
big name actors in the future because they they were too they were too divaish. The thing that and Sylvester Stallone has talked about this because he wanted a franchise out of this, but he he hadn't read the comics. Okay, he had never he he never he never touched a a two thousand AD issue. Pat Mills, John Wagner, Carlos Escara, none of them were consulted. the The rights were sold. Okay, John Wagner and Carlos Escara have a co creation credit which comes virtually at the end of the credits and is just there as a kind of as a nod. It's almost I think Wagner took it as a as a bit of a fingers up to him because there was no involvement. John Wagner was heavily consulted by Alex Garland and John Wagner has has went on record and said that the 2012 version for him is much closer to Dread. It definitely still has its problems but it's much closer to Dread and what he wanted to see. Um, one of the artists for 2000 AD, Jock, who worked on the, the concept art for the 2012 film, he said about the 95 film that it's so bad, it's good. But at the heart of it, in terms of the script, Rico versus Dread. It's a power struggle. And that's not Dread. Dread doesn't want power. As soon as he can, Sylvester Stallone takes the helmet off because you can't be in a movie where your main star wears a helmet for the entire runtime. That's not authentic. Dread is only seen in the comics with, without his helmet once. And when it happened, Pat Mills put a massive censored sign over his face so you couldn't see what he looked like. Because you, the whole mystery, the whole point of the character, the whole idea that he lives and breathes the law is that we never see what he what he looks like. We see what Rico looks like in the comics, but they're not they're not identical twins. They're clones, but they're not identical. And I feel that Rico was horribly miscast in Armando Santi, who people will recognise from films like Mambo Kings, Hoffa, the Q and A. Uh, he was also John Gotti in the John Gotti film. Uh, John Gotti was see the Mayor of New York or Gangster of New York. I can't quite remember. But Armando Santi just walks through it doing this half-arsed impression of Sylvester Stallone and and uttering some of the the worst film quips. I mean, he walks in as Judge Griffin's henchman, executes all the the chief judges, takes his cigar out of his mouth and is like, now, nah, who says politics is boring? It's inhuman. It's not for this council to play God. No, Griffin, please restore the security door. It seems none of you have the force of will that these times require. Central, leave Janus unlocked. Griffin, this is treason. You have just sealed your fate. No. You have just sealed yours. Recall! just got some of the the worst lines he silently whispers and then he shouts aggressively he's not a good villain he's he's certainly not a good portrayal of of Rico and like I said in terms of the story it seems to center around that power struggle between what Rico wanted what Rico Rico is now creating this clone army after he dispatches even Judge Griffin who he was initially working for and Dread is the only one that can they can take him down I mean in the comics Rico and Dread are, are so close 
that when Dread eventually does take Rico down, it's because Rico is too overconfident in his speed of with of uh, drawing his lawgiver that Dread beats him to the to the the quick draw just by a split second, just because of that overconfidence, that over arrogance, and Rico just let it slip. But Rico in the comics is a lot more sinister, a lot more twisted than this, frankly, camp version of Sylvester Stallone. I, mean, I don't, I, I don't know what you felt about the about the villain in the '95 version. I mean, Mama is not perfect being an original villain, but she certainly has her moments, especially from the fact as well that you've got this prostitute who was cut up by her pimps, was betrayed by them, and in the sense that. Well, actually, she ends up getting one over them and, and leading leading Peachtree Towers and being the ultimate badass. Whereas Amanda Santi, like I said, is just this inferior version of, of somebody that can't even talk at the best of times. Your brothers and your sisters be born two hours. One big, endless supply of perfection. You know, we have a choice. We can stand here right now and create a whole race of goddamn brainwashed morons and call them judges. We can create some free-thinking people. We'll call them human. Human. You can never control yourself. What makes you think you can control these things? Because you're in control. You be head of the council. You chose. And you choose quickly, too. I should have put you down myself, personally. You know, I never understood that. Why did you judge me? Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Whoa! I betrayed this. Your council's experiment, which failed. In you! I was your brother, your blood, your friend. Who betrayed who? When are you gonna stop being a goddamn slave and grow up? That's your birthright, that's your family. I'm your family. I'm the only family you ever had. Now choose! The best thing you can do is kill me. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, you kind of said it um, earlier on, because the, there was that element of them both being clones kind of thing, a man seemed just to be like a... He, I think he almost had the accent, and you could see the clear parallels that he was trying to be like, sort of Stone's uh, dread and stuff like that. I think both films kind of missed the mark with the antagonist, but for mm -hmm. different reasons. Um and I don't think the actor that played Mama uh, Lena, Lena Headey, I don't think yeah. she necessarily done a bad job. It's just she didn't really say a great deal. There was a little bit more of a background story, like what you said with her, you know, kind of taking over and killing her pimps yeah. and stuff like that. It was almost as if they were going for like a different type of villain, you know, not the sort of like annoying, I'm going to get away, I've done this horrible thing and I'm going to make my escape again until the end of the film, or this person that was in constant control 
up till the last minute and maybe their arrogance was their downfall and they overlooked something. Yeah. She wasn't either one of those kind of villains, so they were maybe trying for something different. But all I kind of got away got from it was that she was kind of quiet, kept to herself, made decisions, and the judges basically went through all the bad decisions and then got to her. But again, when they kind of got to her, you know, you you weren't kind of like, oh, thank God, like I'm absolutely sick of seeing her, and I'm you know she's like a proper in terms of villain, she's a good villain because you hate her so much, kind of thing. There wasn't that either. So when she, you know, yeah. she was chucked over the edge at the end, kind of like you said earlier, you kind of felt a bit, yeah. oh, all right. You know, like a wee bit whole, kind of like, right, well, that's that's it dealt with, I suppose, but... All, all, that, all that for, oh, I'm just going to toss you over the edge. And, yeah, so, it's almost, yeah, it's almost deflated by that point. Both villains leave me feeling very deflated. Yeah. In 95, the poor man's Stallone, essentially, just marching about and they try and give him good things they give him awful dialogue yeah uh, yeah the fully functioning robot that they built which works off of like steam uh, piston system he was good but also underused mainly probably because it was he was so expensive yeah hey wait a second don't touch it what is that well it's a lawgiver that's programmed to only recognize a judge's hand you touch that it'll take your arm off Gee, how do you like that? I must be a judge. There's lots of things wrong with the 95 filming. Like I said, the artist Jock said the film is so bad it's it's good. I mean, is there is there truth in that statement? Is this, are we being harsh? Is, is Judge Dredd like The Shadow or The Phantom? One of these cartoonish films that you watch now and it's so bad it's good. Yeah, I would say so. It's, yeah... It, it makes sense and you can sort of see where they're coming from and it might have had it might have had something to do with the the relation to Disney with Judge Dredd with Stallone and the 95 one being a little bit more cartoon I mean even Rob Schneider's the comic relief like a lot of those jokes like you you know comic reliefs and you know sometimes they're a wisecracker sometimes they're funny but it mm. almost seemed like every joke that he went for just didn't land like you just, I don't know yeah. if it was a sign of the time or me growing up, but I'm not sure if I would have found any of that funny. Like <laughs> it's just, you know, that that sort of stuff that didn't land. But the the sound effects that were used, the music that was used, the sort of chase scenes, 
you know, things like that. It, it almost did kind of seem like a sort of cartoon adventure, but it was actually done live action and the violence and swearing was maybe just kind of sprinkled on top to bring it up a little bit in terms of rating. But it's, to be honest, the 95 yes. Judge Dredd in the grand scheme of things is not that far off a family film to be honest like by today's standards <laughs> anyway whereas you know dread is an incredibly violent grotesque gritty film that even by today's standards you know eight years on from the film being released mm-hmm. is still you know it's still it's still pretty hardcore i would say anyway i think i think you're actually quite fair in that comparison I it's, a, it's a good way to to describe it when you look at i mean there's certainly comic book films nowadays that are perhaps more violent than what you get in the original judge dread film and it clearly was going for an audience that it shouldn't have been going for this this should not be a yeah. family film and I mean, Rob Schneider is just terrible as as <laughs> Fergie, the computer hacker, and very anno- really annoying actually. The, the The jokes don't land, and as much as far as I'm aware, a lot of the stuff that is in the film, Rob Schneider was ab living, and Danny Cannon preferred that stuff that he was coming up with, including when he impersonates Sylvester Stallone as they're being transported to the to the penal colonies. And he says, Mr. I am the law. He does his Adrian impression. Adrian! That stuff is mildly uh, amusing, but you question why he's there. And the character is there because Sylvester Stallone had him written in. The idea that he needs that formulaic Hollywood approach, there needs to be a character that the audience are going to laugh at because we can't necessarily laugh with dread, even though there is actually a very dark sense of humour that goes through the original comics. Dread? Don't hit me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't hurt me. What are you doing here? I was convicted of a crime. Wrongly convicted. Really? That's kind of weird. What are the odds? Two wrongly convicted guys sitting right next to each other. You received the sentence the law required. Five years just for saving my own ass? That was a mistake. The law doesn't make mistakes. Really? Then how do you explain what happened to you? You can't. Can you? Great. Mr. I am the law. Can't. So maybe this is some kind of typo. Maybe it's a glitch. Or maybe it's poetic justice. But then other people are vastly underplayed. You've got Diane Lane, who people will recognize from Unfaithful or from uh, Man of Steel where she plays Martha Kent. She plays Judge Hershey. And Judge Hershey's a real badass in the in the comic. And here she's more of a wet fish. And it's almost like eye candy just to pop up. You've got Joan Chen, who plays Isla, who eventually works with 
Rico and seems to be attracted to Rico's need to create this clone army. I think there's nothing really to her character other than I'm going to look pretty and I'm attracted to this guy because he's a badass. The only people that I think are cast quite well and I, I just wish I had more of them was the Angel Gang. The Angel Gang are a great set of characters from the comics. Mm -hmm. I think I would have preferred the film not even to have, have, have dealt with Rico, but perhaps to have had Dread venture out into the Cursed Earth, maybe looking for Fargo, and to have faced off against the Angel Gang. You've got Mean, mean Machine, who has got a dial on his head that goes up to four, and you can have Mean set at any one of these. If he's on one, then he's less aggressive. If you dial him up to four, then he's really aggressive. You've got a very young Ewan Bremner who plays Junior. Ewan Bremner was Spud in Trainspotting. You've got Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead and Way of the Gun who pops up as Pa. But the Angel Gang are, are there and they're dealt with in like five minutes. And it's frustrating because they were great villains. And mm. if they'd been chasing something more than this 12 certificate, I know it was a 15 when it came out, but they, they, they were chasing, you know, PG-13 12 certificate. They should have went with this really sadistic bunch of cannibals as their, as their villains. Or as I mentioned earlier on, they should have went with the Judge Death storyline. Together again. Together again, sir. stuff that is just underused in the 95 film the opening I, I i like the opening get rid of fergie and have the have the block revolt because i think you see the true side of dread as he walks through the the mega block and he takes them out with his lawgiver the lawgiver in the film, I really enjoy. I like how it repeats what the what the bullet uh, types, like incendiary or double whammy. I like all that. And I like the lawgiver in, in Dread 2012, which was a functioning weapon built of a nine, out of a 9mm. The opening sequence shows you what Dread is capable of, where he executes everybody. Um, he he executes the, the leader of the the gang that are revolting the block warlord played by james remar in a uncredited role from 
people will recognize him from the warriors or from from dexter that stuff i enjoyed and it got right and then that everything after that just completely goes out the window because obviously he goes back to headquarters and takes his helmet off and any authenticity is kind of lost i just wish that they'd gambled more in, in both movies gambled with characters gambled with storylines i think that dread represents a you know a vision of america from a very british point of view and that idea of police brutality is more relevant than any before i think both of these movies failed because maybe there was too many cooks maybe there was too much interference People stepping in and saying, you can't do this. No, you're going to turn off an audience. There's going to be no audience for, for this. I think the 2012 film is damaged by the 95 film. The things that it doesn't, it repeats from the 95 film. It gets things right in the 2012 version. The fact that Carl Urban insisted that he wouldn't take his helmet off. The grimace is much more apparent. Um, and he certainly, when he delivers lines like, I am the law, it's like this this whisper. Even though it's it's being amplified over a speaker system when he's speaking to, he's kind of given the Mama clan a warn. But when Dredd says, I am the law, again, I've said this before, it just, it, Stallone just sounds like he's having a fit or a, a stroke. I am the law! And it just ruins everything that Dread is for me and leaves me cold. So much, much, much of the cast of the 95 film, I, I think it's terribly miscast. I think the story's not good. They get the villain wrong. They just don't know what they're doing in terms of who Dread is, what he represents. And... The 2012 film, they get it wrong also by not following through with their original storylines. They do have a, a better female judge, Judge Anderson, who's psychic and, and played by Olivia Thurby. So you, you, you get a more, much more kind of emotional character. But again, Judge Anderson is a crucial character in the Judge Death story. I want to see Judge Death. I, I don't know if I've said that too much now, but that's that. That's what that's what I want. That's what I wanted from from both movies. I wanted a good story, and I don't get it, and it it just leaves me feeling cold. What's the price of a judge these days? Million. Split four ways. Three ways now. Suits me. Doesn't sound like much. To betray the law. City. Save that shit for the rookies. 20 years I've been on the streets. You know what Mega City One is, Dredd? It's a fucking meat grinder. People go in one end. Meat comes out the other. 
All we do is turn the handle. On the piercing. Just say, wait. Judge Dredd. The Judge Dredd. Finally gets on the wrong end of a gun. And what he says is, wait. You know what? I expected more of you. I mean, wait for what? Wait for me to change my mind? Wait for another two or three seconds of life, because you're so fucking weak, you just can't stand to see it end? No. Wait for her to shoot you. In terms of what I kind of liked and disliked about both movies, I've mentioned already that in the 95 film, I really like the opening. The opening fight uh, in the in the in one of the the city blocks, Heavenly Haven, mainly because of the the lawgiver weapon, because I, it showcases the lawgiver really well. Um, I like the introduction, although be it brief, of the Angel Gang. In the 2012, I like the, the slow-mo sections. Even though they are fairly similar to, to Bullet Time, they do add a kind of comic book ultra-violence to the scenes when they are used. I also like the inclusion of Judge Anderson as the, the psychic judge who can sense the thoughts and emotions of, of others, even though I don't feel that she was used to her her full potential in the in a kind of storyline what did you like about the films well i think the slow-mo sections might kind of be it as well for dread for me I, I mean i really i really enjoyed um i really enjoyed looking at them and uh, i thought they were really quite cool little sort of cutaways and just very interesting to look at but um i think my actual my favourite parts of both films are kind of similar to one another and I know it's a very odd thing but I just find it quite cool that someone can be so calculating and to be able to think off the cuff and it's the distance issues so you know obviously uh. Mama's like you know I've got this detonator um, and his reply is well do you reckon it'll work through a, like a kilometre of concrete throws her over the edge and I thought you know, even though the death wasn't fantastic, at the time I forgot that was how it ended until I watched it again. Because when she, when she obviously showed like my heart stops, the the building goes up kind of thing, um, I sort yeah. of thought, how the hell are you going to do that? I mean, even if you like shoot someone and bleed them slowly, you know, it, you're going to get the same result. Basically, you know, it's going to stop. But the the thing to do is to make sure the signal doesn't make it back up. I thought that was quite good and you know I know we talked about it earlier that the 95 Stallone Judge Dredd was a bit more cartoony but again it was the distance thing that uh, Hershey and the rookie 
we're both taking cover when they're being shot at in Heavenly Haven when Judge Dredd arrives and he's like, well, the, the, the lethal distance for a whatever weapon is, 300, is 200 metres and you're currently 300 metres away, so why are you ducking? Like, if these things hit you, worst case scenario, you know, it'll hurt a little bit. And I thought, holy crap, you know, I know this is going to sound incredibly yeah. nerdy and, you know, forgive me anyone listening, but I find stuff like that quite interesting. And the only example I'm going to give, and it's a very quick one, is the Batman villain Bane. Now, in the Joe Schumacher film, I think it was, with Poison Ivy, and yes. yeah, you know, Bane was literally the heavy lifter, you know, not a, a, yes. a blunt object, you know, a strong but not very smart. In the comics and in the video games and almost in everything mm-hmm. else, um, especially after Chris Nolan used Tom Hardy as Bane, Bane is actually incredibly clever. So that makes him even more dangerous as he is super physical, you know, really, really you know, very, very strong, very fast, really ferocious. But um, Bane is also a master tactician. So I always find it's good to have, you know, strong characters. But I always prefer, you know, I say characters, even um, protagonists. You know, it's all fine and well that they're, they're maybe the strong one, but their sidekick is the smart one that does the thinking or whatever. But I sometimes like to see that they don't flaunt it. But they are actually a little, there's a bit more to them. Like they are a bit more calculating and they have actually thought about this. It's uh, almost like just a sort of subtle unassumingness of certain characters and they they sort of, they can kind of think their way out of a really bad scenario. So I know very nerdy, very weird, very roundabout way of saying it. But yeah, but both the sort of distance factors in both films, I thought that's actually kind of, that's kind of cool. So those are those are my favorite bits from both Dread films. That's what you like about the yeah. movies. What do you dislike? Um, now this is going to sound pretty unfair, but there was probably a lot more for me to dislike about the '95 Judge Dread than than Dread. <laughs> and it's not because I was what '95, so I would have been about three when it came out. So I definitely didn't watch it when I was three. But I think by the time I'd grown up and actually seen it <laughs> fully through and through a lot of it seemed kind of cheesy and a little bit corny and you know because they were trying to bring the rating down you know almost almost like a family film with the god-awful comic relief so that that is actually what annoys me the most is the missing the mark with any kind of audience by trying to aim it towards as wide an audience as possible for me because they tried doing that with source material that is not for the widest audience it just i think they just kind of missed the mark um and for action for dread 2012 i think maybe the repetitiveness of certain things i mean don't get me wrong understand it's an action film and it's a sort of shoot them up almost you know almost kind of film but the fact that if you weren't shot and killed you were then thrown over and dropped 50 stories minimum that you know the, the repetitiveness it kind of it, it, you kind of became numb to it after a while like it, it kind of lost its uh, its significance about the fourth or fifth time it happened which by that time it gets to the the final throw over the side and then it's kind of like yeah yeah so but i mean i really enjoyed dread like i, I remember enjoying it a lot in the cinema and i'm glad yes. that i rewatched it and i reckon I reckon Laurel probably really enjoy it as well. I mean, she's not adverse to sort of action films, but I reckon we 
might might fire this up and watch it again because I quite I quite like it as a mind numbing, easy watch kind of thing. It is just straightforward action. What about you? What what uh, what ground your gears? Uh, obviously, I'm going to have more dislikes when it comes to the '95 version. I've mentioned them already. So specific casting, I really don't like Rob Schneider as the incessant. Fergie, the comedy sidekick, it's just, it's just not required. Dread, there's no way in. Hello? Are you even listening to me? We can't just knock on the wall and say, Hello, Cursed Earth Pizza. There is a way in. Six years ago, two refugees figured it out. It's a vent to the city's incinerator. There's a burst twice a minute. That means somebody could run through that tube and have 30 seconds before it flames again. And these, these refugees, they, they made it through, right? Actually, they were roasted. But the theory's sound. Shall we? Maybe we should consider other theories. Dread! I don't like the villain of Rico Dread. I don't like the helmet removal. I don't like the fact that they were rebranding Dread as an all-out hero. And the stupid catchphrase, <laughs> I know you'd say that. And no point has Dread ever said that in any of the comics. We know what he says. He, you know, I am the law. Uh, and, he, and he says a hell of a lot more interesting stuff than that. But I knew you'd say that just really yeah. irritates you after the you know, <laughs> third time that he says it. Violence struck again in Mega City tonight, taking a deadly toll. 53 hospitalized, five of them children, 19 dead. Got him? Bring him up, okay, now just turn. The other way, the other way, got him? Damn it. He's supposed to be watching out for him. Don't blame yourself, Hershey, he made a mistake, not you. Wouldn't it feel good to have an emotion once in a while, huh? Emotion. There ought to be a law against them. Eat recycled food. It's good for the environment and okay for you. Please make your selection. Insert your credit in the slot. We have five seconds to surrender. Dread, it's just a servo droid. The servo droid is your friend. Five. Please let your four, friend go by. Three. You are in the way of the servo droid. One. Boy, am I glad to see you. Mega City Code 7592. Local sabotage of a public droid. That's six months, citizen. Let's see your unit card. Come on, give me a break, Judge uh, Dread. Dread? God. Ferguson, Herman, hacker. Illegal tampering with city droids, computers, cash machines, taxi robots. And you haven't even been out of jail for 24 hours. He's habitual, Hershey. Automatic five-year sentence. How do you plead? Not guilty? I knew you'd say that. Five years? No, no! I, I had no choice! They were killing each other in you there! You could have gone out the window. Forty floors? It would have been suicide! Maybe, but it's legal. Judges! Yes, sir. What? Five years, half in penitentiary. Case closed, take them away. Don't close the case! You're misjudging me! You're misjudging me! Open the case! You're not gonna be able to sleep tonight! He might have been telling the truth, you know? Haven't you ever heard of extenuating circumstances? I've heard it all, Hershey. I knew you'd say that. In terms of the 2012 version, you've hit the nail on the head by saying about the repetition. I think the need to shoot the film in 3D, even yeah, by 2012, yeah. 
we were getting bored of 3D. Uh, you're four years on from Avatar and people are just like, okay, we get it. And you you end up missing so much when yeah. you watch a film in 3D just because they're, I think they're overcomplicating it and trying to do too much visually that the film inevitably suffers as a result. And the personal gripe that I have with, with both of them is that they weren't adventurous enough to go with their original scripts and mm. the iconic Judge Death. It would have just been so much... And I, I get it would have been much more of a gamble. Okay, I mean, Judge Death is such a, a sinister character. He is this kind of combination almost of a alien xenomorph crossed with a judge. But he's so intimidating and he looks so villainous and scary and I just it would have been a much more interesting and original storyline that mm. could have set it apart and I think I think sometimes if you want to bend your formula and we've mentioned Blue yeah. House film studios before they're willing to take risks sometimes you got to take risks and I, I wish they'd taken much more of a risk with, that's fair with so both of these movies what, what uh, how many chainsaws does it get for you what's your what's your rating system for uh what, let's go with uh 95 first of all what did you what did you give it for stallone i am gonna give him two chainsaws out of five because although it's not a a disaster there is some fun to be had in cartoonish style comic book films there, there is some saving graces, the angel gang, the opening sequence, the lawgiver. I won't mention the lawmaster because that that's not really a saving grace. Although it's the lawmaster you see more of, I think, in the 2012 mm. film for the fact that it's actually functioning and that Carl Urban does actually drive mm. the, the lawmaster. Two out of five chainsaws is, is, is what it's getting I'm not deeply offended by the movie. It offends me, but I will watch it. I will smile. I see it for what it is. You know, I, I, this is not a film that I, I, I would never revisit. It just happens to have a, yeah. a lot of imperfections, but then it's got some cool stuff in it as well. Uh, and I maybe, when listening back to this, probably find that I've, I've been overly harsh, but... It does have its merits. They did attempt a storyline that was from, you know, the comics amalgamated storyline. It just didn't hmm. really go where it wanted to go because of the because of the miscasting. So Chief Justice Griffin. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. We were supposed to meet someplace safe. What's not safe? Your reporter's dead, right? Fargo's on his walk. Dreads in Aspen. So what's not safe? It's unfortunate. Hammond had to be silenced. He found out about Janus. But I could have used Dread. Forget Dread! There is no Dread! Let me tell you what Dread worships. He worships the law. 
He'd have blown you away. The minute he's found out how much you're pissing on it. Let him see what it's like to freeze his ass off in Aspen. Let him see what it's like to be me. There's a lot of work to be done. Janus. Well, where is it? You'll see it. When? Soon enough. Meantime, I want chaos, Rico. That rock wall was just the beginning. Now I want fear racing through every street. And the council will have to turn to me. And to Janus. You want fear? I'm fear. You want chaos? I'm the chaos. You want a new beginning? Yeah. I am the new beginning! So two out of five chainsaws for 1995. 95, well, my, my rating system for those who haven't listened before is out of six because I use the Infinity Stones, but I'm going to give it two out of six. I, I do agree there are probably elements that, you know, it, it was supposed to be a bit of fun and as mo- most of the jokes didn't land some were a little bit funny just for the sheer ridiculousness of it you know it's one of these films that might actually be so bad it's good but i personally have absolutely no need or want to go back and watch the stone one and (laughs) i know it sounds quite ruthless i mean i do not make films um i don't know how much blood sweat and tears and stress goes into making a film but it just it missed so many marks for me i didn't enjoy the vast majority of it i i stopped the film got up and done something else about four or five times <laughs> through the course of it like i couldn't sit and watch it in in a one hour um and i don't know anyone who's listened to clueless kind of similar but i could sit through longer chunks of clueless and it was for different reasons i didn't want to watch the films although ironically they were made about the same time so maybe me in 1995 have a, a some sort of weird kind of time paradox thing where something really bad happened to me when i was three and now i hate anything related to 1995 so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and say two out of six infinity stones for stone i knew you'd say that uh judge red so how much are you going to give the 2012 movie i'm actually going to give the 2012 one four now i knew that it had its issues even on a second watch prior to us even having this conversation i really quite enjoy it though now it is a film that i would actually fire on and because i don't personally have a lot of films that i can stick on for the sort of sheer mindlessness of it because usually when i watch a film i'm looking for a different perspective or i'm looking for um quite cool visuals something a bit different at the same time it has to have that sort of definitely when it comes to an action film definitely that sort of sci-fi vibe maybe it's set on this planet a different one different time same time you know and i like the look of it the setting of it i think the casting was much better but also i don't have as much background knowledge of the comic books and where a lot of these characters that are based in the films are actually come from and how they differ whether they differ much or if they differ at all but i like carl urban 
Uh, I like him as an actor, but I like him as Dredd. The straightforwardness mm. of the film didn't bother me as much because the choreography and the visuals and the setting were all really quite on point for me. So um, it kind of balanced itself out, but it was kind of repetitive and a little predictable in a way. But again, not it didn't bother me too much, but I'm going to give it four out of six. What, what about you? I'm not as generous as mm. yourself. I've went for three out of five chainsaws probably because i feel like i'm a i'm a little bit too close to it in terms of it being uh, an adaptation now again there are a lot of merits it yeah. certainly is a lot better than the 95 version and i i would reach for this to review much more than i would ever go back to the 95 film urban's dread is definitely in line with the comics His, uh -huh. His casting is superb. What's vital for Urban, Urban's casting, is he is a he is a dread fan. So he goes he 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 went into this movie knowing what dread is like. He grew up in New Zealand in Waterloo. People will be familiar with Carl Urban from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, for the Boys, which is on Amazon Prime at the moment as well, and. Carl Urban went into his first kind of casting meeting and one of the initial things he said straight off the bat was, I'm not taking the helmet off. And everybody knew straight away that they, mm. they had chosen the right person because he knew Dread inside out. Not only that, but Urban actually rides the, the Lawmaster. I mean, the Lawmaster is such a iconic kind of chariot in the Dread world that it's nice to see him actually pelting down the the highway uh, or the, the 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 city roads in in South Africa when they were, where they were filming it on this modified bike. So there's a lot of good things mm. in it. There's a lot to merit, but I can't give it more than than three because it just lets down too many things in terms of. The repetition, the lack of uh, a really good villain again. Uh, I, I say that both movies suffer on that part. And Mama is is good, but she's not she's not a great or memorable villain. And I just wish that with the the budget as low as what they did, because you think that low budget films are going to be able to take more risks, and a lot of them do. But I just just don't think that this film was risky enough and it was perhaps trying to be a bit too fancy with the, the 3D, with the, the slow-mo and, and maybe got lost in the effects a little bit. I, again, I'm probably sounding really, really negative. I, I, I do like this movie, but it could have been so much better than it was. I mean, I like Peach Trees. Peach Trees was a great idea to condense and to minimise things to that yeah. one area because i mean you've got seventy five thousand people living in peach trees it's a city in itself all, all the mega blocks are like self-contained cities and the lawgiver is just the fact that they built no. an actual functioning lawgiver weapon out of a, a nine millimeter is incredible but not still not risky enough i feel i feel like i'm being overly harsh three three out of five chainsaws is is, is all i'm going to give it three and five 
Well, that's what we thought of both films, but uh, let's uh, let's see what um, other reviewers from the magazine, newspaper, and reviewing world have said. Uh, do you want to take? Will we do it a film at a time? Would you want to do the ninety-five? I'll do Dread, or vice versa, or will we just do both? Do like a um, two at a time. So just you know, so so if we cool. do, okay. if we look at Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-five. 17% from the critics' point of view, 30% from the audience. Pretty poor, pretty spot on in yeah. relation to what we have discussed. 79% for 2012 for the critics, 72% for the audience. The audience one, I'm surprised the audience one is as high as 72% because this movie failed to find an audience. So it's clearly become a cult movie yeah. on blu-ray and streaming devices and dvd so it has found an audience aye and that that is a good thing i'm not sure we'll get a sequel with it being eight years after but definitely don't rule out anything to do with tv i know that carl urban's been in talks with prime to do a tv adaptation with him playing dread which which would work actually and and possibly might work better than than what they they try to achieve with the the 2012 movie perhaps we would get smaller more self-contained storylines that are going to be adventurous because i think the one thing about streaming services netflix amazon disney they are being very adventurous. I mean, you only need to look at the Mandalorian on Disney mm. uh, Plus. Is it Disney Plus? Yeah, you only, you only need Plus, to look yeah. at the Mandalorian on Disney Plus to see the great things that they're doing. You know, Solo should have been the Mandalorian. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, but yeah. the quality that's now coming out of that. So who knows? The audience is clearly yeah. there based on the Rotten Tomatoes from the two thousand twelve movie. There's, there's, there is going to always be an mm. audience there waiting, an audience waiting for the the prime dread. Yeah, that's a very good point, and I can see that happening actually. It seems here that Empire um, pretty much copied you, and because that's what they do, and they they, they can see, they're clairvoyant and they can see into the future, so they know <laughs> know what rating you would give it, so they copied you. So Empire on uh, Judge Dread from ninety five, they gave it two out of five, saying that there's a few things done right, but they are out outweighed by many misfires. Comic book it may be but it's not meant to be Saturday morning cartoons. That's pretty bloody spot on, I would say. That is nail hammer head. That is pretty, that is, yeah, I can't really say much more on that. That's exactly what I was kind of thinking and feeling. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll give you that. Totally agree. As for 2012's Dread, they gave it three out of five. Uh, and they said there was much to dread about this new iteration of Dread. But it's solid, sorry, but it is a solid, occasionally excellent take on the character with Urban's chin particularly impressive, which is a bit of a specific thing, but they're probably right. Um, I think we jokingly discussed before this that I think uh, uh, Carl Urban's uh, grimace was probably a bit better than Stallone's, but then again, I don't know if Stallone has a constant, perpetual, fixed grimace and has to force himself to do anything else but Carl Urban's was yeah 
pretty good. Uh, there's probably quite a lot of, or I noticed this definitely with there being more male judges in to in dread in twenty in the twenty twelve dread, but they all had sort of stubbled, chiselled jawlines <laughs> since that's all you could see under the helmet but it was almost hard to tell them apart because they all had square jaws yes. but i don't know maybe maybe that's yeah. something they teach in the academy <laughs> it must be difficult as well to actually act with the helmet mm. on because you only have a small portion of the face and therefore i'm sure they probably would have practiced in the mirror after you know dread has a very particular look with these with these grimace but they would want to do slightly more than that, but yeah, they all they all seem to be all the male actors seem to be doing the the staple kind of grimace. So there's 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 not really much going on downstairs. <laughs> Who said what next? If we go to the one of the, the co-creator, uh, John Wagner. Mm. Uh, John Wagner said when he was interviewed in 2012 by Empire, this about the '95 movie. This was the story had nothing to do with Dread, Judge Dread. And Judge Dredd wasn't really Judge Dredd, even though Stallone was perfect for the part. It's interesting because I, I don't feel that Stallone was particularly well cast as Judge Dredd. He might have had a look of Judge Dredd. I mean, you said about a minute ago just the fact that they all have this kind of stubbly look. Stallone's clean shaven and pristine mm. and, you know, he's not... He's not attractive but he still goes for that pretty boy look that he desperately has sought after for most of his career but yeah so i, I don't necessarily agree with wagner saying that stallone was perfect for the part he does obviously get it right as being the co-creator saying that this was not dread and it must be a particular kick in the dread chin to john wagner that he has to sit and watch his creation kind of pissed upon by Hollywood, really. What he said about the 2012 film was, I, I liked the movie. It was unlike the first film, a true representation of Judge Dredd. Carl Urban was a fine Dredd, and I'd be more than happy to see him in the follow-up. Olivia Thrillby excelled as Anderson. The character and the storyline are pure dread. There is no shadow of a doubt that Carl Urban nails the dread character. Olivia Thrillby is a very good Anderson. Perhaps she could have been given a little bit more, but you are in no doubt that she is a psychic. She is a mutant. These are her powers. And when we do get to see them, those scenes are executed very well. Hmm. It would have been nice to perhaps even in uh i don't know if i'm if i'm constantly after for the, that happy ending but her character marches off thinking that she's failed her rookie exam and actually she's passed and she just kind of storms off you know to, perhaps it would have been nice for but then uh, dread probably can't show that human side to her character mm. so yeah i don't I'd, I don't know what to say about the about that, but John Wagner was a lot more heavily involved in the two thousand and twelve version. Yeah, I think he, you're going to like anything that you're more heavily involved in because you are getting more of a say, and it feels like you've got more control over your baby. I think he's 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 right in what he says about about both films. 
that that makes a lot of sense actually i mean if you're if you're more involved then you might have more say and more influence therefore you'll probably be happier with what you were more involved with especially if you created the source material so yeah, yeah. that makes sense what did the the new york times and the new york post say karen james from the new york times about the 95 version of judge dread said in spite of not being in the same league as similar films like robocop and blade runner Judge Dredd is an enjoyable enough movie as long as you moderate your expectations. I can, I sort of see what they were going for, and it kind of makes sense. But I don't know. I mean, things, things like RoboCop and Blade Runner, I, I personally find a little bit easier to watch because they're a little bit less. Like they, they don't try as hard to be something else like they are just kind of well i was going to say for a second there the blade runner straightforward which is sure as hell ain't the case especially since there's seven different versions of it but definitely <laughs> robocop's a little bit more straightforward yeah. cop gets shot made into a robot cracks down on crime you know there's not a great deal to it but and you know there wasn't a great deal to the story of judge dread either but it seemed like it was trying to be funny didn't go very well it was kind of an adventure film but they were only actually out of the city limits very briefly in the grand scheme of things, I thought. And then they were back right at it. And yeah. yeah, I So yes. I, I see what they were going for about moderating your expectations, but should you have to... I, I don't know. Especially if you're a fan of the character, if you ever read the comic books and stuff like that, I don't think you should have to moderate your expectations. You know, you should just hope that it's a... A good interpretation from comic book yeah. to film and it wasn't really in the grand scheme of things i'm going to blow your mind now okay because no okay so so james in the new york times said in spite of it not being in the same league as similar films like robocop you know that robocop is a ripoff of judge dread hell's horses and it's really and it's never it's never it's, it's never hidden that fact because judge dread satirizes society and Robocop satirizes American society and capitalism, but Robocop is actually a total ripoff. There was actually a lawsuit against the studio and against Paul for Paul Verhoeven. I mean, it's so much of a ripoff that <laughs> Robocop actually says, "Come quietly, or there will be trouble." That is an a direct line from Judge Dredd. That's that's one of the things wow. that he says. The Ed 209 says, drop your weapons, you have 10 seconds to comply. Drop your weapons. Right you enough. That's, 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 that is Judge Dredd dialogue. They, wow. They just, they just stole it. They just plagiarised it. So, what, what, I don't get it. Why do, uh, I mean, I don't watch either of them. I don't watch uh, 90s action films all that often, but why do I, set off a robocop a lot better than the original oh, helmet of robocop the original design it's got the crosshairs and the helmet yep. oh god almighty <laughs> and then they redesigned it because they were like that's a step too far yeah i yeah we don't want to make it too obvious yeah wow thanks for that that was that was actually quite interesting it makes a lot it's one of these things that makes a lot more sense now that someone else has pointed it out you kind of like oh oh god oh yeah you're right <laughs> Kyle Smith of the New York Post, who found the police tactics distasteful, wrote, 
justice is supposed to be blind, but in this case, I think what the law really wants is unaccountability and called Dread a thudding, repetitive movie. Right, I get it. I get the repetitive side of it. Yeah, I suppose just, you know, in, in reality, absolutely reality, justice is supposed to be blind. This isn't reality. This is a film where you're supposed to suspend reality and we've been put into a scenario yes. very much out with reality where, you know, society and crime have just run amok, basically. And this was, you know, the, the, this is the answer that, you know, police officers are judge, jury, and executioner kind of thing. Unfortunately, right, yes. you know, right now, it seems that that is becoming more of a reality, which is completely unfair, especially when it targets a, a minority of people, and that's absolutely not on. But in terms of the film, that's what it is. It's a film, and I get it, but I don't think anyone was glorifying or thinking, oh, yeah, that would be an absolutely fantastic idea if police officers could pull you over and give you... 10 years straight off the bat yeah i, I mean i i think that that is a, a brilliant point that you're making and it, it's it's mm. a question has now popped into my head that i'm going to ask you okay based on the fact that we know that we're watching these things for entertainment we're not watching them as things that are part of reality they are fiction they are glorified ultraviolence they are comic books. They are designed to entertain, transport you somewhere else so you don't have to think about your problems for half an hour, an hour, 90 minutes, however long the thing is or however long you spend reading something. With all that in mind and with all that's going on right now in society, unfortunately, is there a place for Judge Dredd? I personally... That's a, that is actually quite a good question. And obviously at the time of us recording this, yeah, essentially America's kind of set on fire at the moment. I think just to touch briefly on the Black Lives Matter protests in America and hell, even in London and other cities, um, there are a lot of people that are trying to protest peacefully and there are a lot of journalists trying to just cover what's actually going on. And the police's reaction to all of this isn't exactly making the case better in terms of police brutality. In fact, if anything, it's making it worse. So unfortunately, as of right now, it seems that the Judge Dredd comics and the story, whether it, or you know the Judge Dredd, Judge Dredd comics story and films, are all getting dangerously close to reality. Not that it has actually been set in law that the judges or police officers are allowed to use lethal force um, for certain crimes. The, the, the main argument is that black people, uh, black people or African-Americans, uh, black people all over the world are being targeted. Targeted being probably the right word by officers of the law. Um, not all of them, but by far, far too many and are given on the spot either executions because they looked like they were going to do something or the police officers thought they were going to do something. Now in Judge Dredd, the films or the comics, there seems to be, there's a little bit more ridiculousness to it because it's like, oh, um, just as a very crass example, oh, you've been caught littering, that's three months in the, uh, the ISO cube kind of thing. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's a bit too much 
Um, but judges don't really deal with small petty crimes. It's more the sort of bigger things, and you know they're given that power because crime has gotten completely out of hand. Now society still stands as broken yeah. as it yeah. is right now. It still stands for a lot of things. It's just unfortunately it favors one very large group of people over the other. There isn't any of that, as far as I can see, in Judge Dredd. So the 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 similarities is the police brutality and the sheer aggressiveness of it. But where the line stops for Judge Dredd is the discrimination side of it. Whereas in reality, in our reality, unfortunately, you know, if you are not a white American, you can get pulled over and accused of just about anything, and you can't really argue your case without it ultimately and in some cases costing your life and that's absolutely not mm. on so is there a place for this film there probably is but maybe not right now hopefully if this gets resolved in a good peaceful way of laws are put in to protect um africans african americans or anyone of any other ethnic origin there might be down the line and maybe when we watch the film then it will be more of a oh yeah that that you know that that it's a bit like 2020 one of the 101 things that almost killed us all in 2020 you know at, at the same time and you know this is not to take anything away from the current circumstances but race wars aren't a new thing they've happened quite a lot and have probably just gotten closer and closer in occurrences um, as time's gotten on. But at the same time, it's it's a comic book and it's a film. It's meant to entertain. It will have social commentary. So there's a very, very strong chance that yeah. there might be a discrimination element the next iteration, whether it's a TV show or a film comes out, because of um, current circumstances. Inspiration will most likely be drawn from it. But as of right now, nah, probably probably not right now. Maybe in a few years' time. Judge Dredd has always tried to be a reflection of society and this is not a a new a new problem. This is an ongoing problem and not even for the last fifty years, we're talking the last four hundred years. Police brutality is getting worse and it's just unfortunate that and timely with our discussion of this that it's just unfortunate that we we are seeing officers that although they don't wear the uniform although they don't have the same look the same badge or things like that but they are taking it upon themselves to be judge jury and executioner it reflects what is in the comic books but that idea goes all the way back to the to the 70s when dread was created and that was still going on then and i would just like to hope that we are able to as you rightly say put new laws in place to to protect all of us not just if you belong to uh, a different group, a different different race, your skin is a different color. Depending on your ethnicity or your sexuality, it's we're all in this together. And I just hope that there are ways we we work together to to find a, a solution rather than a problem. I hate to think what life would be like if 
if we actually had more more dreads but let's not get into that what film suggestions would you recommend to our listeners duke i would i would definitely recommend maybe two in particular and it's they're both to as far as i'm aware both films either filmed or based in and around south africa again and it's uh, district nine which was di- oh, yes. which was directed by neo uh, blomkamp um that was awesome that is as a really good film and I, I really i really enjoy the story as well as the visuals mm-hmm. and how everything else is carried out but in the same sort of similar vein as District 9, um, Elysium with Matt Damon. Very uh, yeah, and yeah, good I choice. think Elysium is very quite similar in a lot of ways to Dread and the, not necessarily the story, but definitely the visuals and the setting and uh, like things like costume and weaponry and stuff like that. It's it, ha- it could quite easily all take place in the same kind mm. of, I don't know, cinematic universe if you will yeah it could you know and again maybe maybe district nine but district nine is a little bit more like our our reality except a gigantic spaceship is hovering above south africa and you know some of the residents actually live in slums you know definitely elysium and uh, dread from 2012 pretty close in terms of visuals uh what about you what would you recommend i have to go with first off i'm gonna go with Demolition Man, which Sylvester Stallone is and came out in '93, and I'm I'm going with with that one because if Stallone wanted to create this kind of over the top fun film in in Judge Dredd, he'd actually already done it in Demolition Man. Demolition Man, great cast. You've got a very young Sandra Bullock in there, and yeah. it's got a great script it's very very funny and you have also got a, a a villain who's having fun being a villain in wesley snipes and it's just fun mm. yeah I, I, you know it it did everything that he wanted to do with judge dread and failed and i don't know why he had to kind of try and redo it because he'd already done it yeah it's set in the future and it's about the ultimate cop and the ultimate badass and uh, yeah, I don't. When it comes to the recommendations, that's one area that I don't want to to spoil things. So they, again, you know, go away and, and and watch it. Demolition Man is fun. It's good fun. It's good nineties action, but it's good fun. If you if you hmm. really want to know the ins and outs of the uh, comic, which is two thousand AD then the thing that you have to visit is the documentary Future Shock, uh, which came out in 2014, directed by Paul Goodwin. And it is your staple talking heads. It's 90 minutes, but it's incredibly informative. You learn not just about Dread, but the other characters from 2080. You also learn about the incredible team of writers and artists that they had on their books. And people that would actually be poached by DC, by Marvel in the 80s and the 90s and who would go on to revive most of those comic books. People like Grant Morrison, Brian Bolland, Dave Gibbons and, of course, Alan Moore as well. He worked at, at 2000 AD. In the documentary, you also get to to meet uh, Emma Beebe, who's Scottish, and she was the first female writer of Judge Dredd. And in an industry that, that lacks diversity, where your female superheroes are staple blonde hair, big boobs, and there's not really an awful lot to them, we actually could be doing with a, a lot more 
female writers who are going to bring diversity to what could appear to be a lot of sexist characters. So that documentary is very informative and very interesting. If you enjoyed the sort of premise yeah. of uh, Dread, uh, The Raid by uh, Gareth Evans, um, definitely give that a go. Kung Fu coming out of the wazoo, basically. <laughs> yes, the... And considering that it's directed by a guy from Wales, the two just, you would never think, go together. And actually, Gareth Evans is one of the most exciting action directors to come out of nowhere in like the last 10 years, simply because of the amazing choreography and sequences and tight sequences that are in the raid that are present in a little bit of form in the 2012 dread but just nowhere nowhere near as as good or as or as gritty unfortunately what are we going to look at on our next podcast Duke? to the best of my knowledge i think next week's going to be our proper first potential horror would you say is a horror and um, basically the film is troll hunter the uh, sort of found footage film from Scandinavia. That's that's what's coming up. That's what's coming up next. And I'm going to watch it with uh, subtitles without god awful dubbing that Netflix sets as a default. So I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna listen to the actual Scandinavian because I think that'll give it just that much better <laughs> feel and it won't infuriate me that it's like so badly out of sync have you ever seen the film kung pao i have seen kung pao way of the fist yeah yeah which i thought was hilarious but it done that on purpose yes you know the the bad out of sync you know because because of the 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 film see that was funny whereas i can't watch a badly dubbed i can't watch a dubbed (laughs) film basically like it, it would it would just cause me unknown pain so yeah there will be subtitles for that one but a uh, troll hunter um is going to be next week's one any any closing remarks then as you know we like to end the show on a, a quote i i have chosen two quotes from the movie would you like to to go with obviously i'll deliver one and you can deliver one but while we sign out of this judge dread themed podcast i've chosen a quote from the 95 film and a quote from the 2012 film so which would you prefer to have i'll, I'll take 95 oh good choice <laughs> okay now the stipulation with that is that you have to do it in your your best stallone oh okay? man so i think that you you should end the podcast with that one because it's so much better than All the right. other one okay that leaves me with the 2012 and in this scene, Anderson has been captured by Kay, who is one of Mama's minions. And uh, Kay is about to execute her with the lawgiver, which he doesn't realise is booby-trapped and is about to blow his hand off. Kay looks at Anderson and he says, You got any last words, bitch? And Anderson just tilts her head up and says, Huh, that's funny. I was going to ask you that, bitch. And then... He pulls the trigger and boom! Bye bye hand. And that kind of thing works better when you see it. It's not so much as good when yeah, I it was just, a lot more I violent. just read what's on violent. a page. And on that note, I will see you next week. Picks out. Cool. I'm just going to do a quick uh, stolen warm up. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Plus, he also shouts this quote, but yeah, here we go anyway. It's a lie. The evidence, it's been falsified.
It's impossible. I never broke the law. I am the law. And that's Diggs. Bye. Never